0: On November 13, 1945, the National Press Club hosted a dinner honoring President Harry Truman, and the guest list was a long one. There were over a thousand people, including President Truman, General Eisenhower, General Hap Arnold, some Supreme Court justices, and various members of Congress, as well as famous performer Eddie Cantor as Master of Ceremonies. And headlining the performance was Glenn Miller's famous Army Air Force Band, this performance was notable for one reason in particular. Nearly a year earlier, Miller had gone missing over the English Channel while traveling from England to France to give concerts to the troops, liberating Europe. And after his disappearance, the band faced the difficulty of another six months overseas entertaining troops and civilians, while Miller's fate remained a mystery. Before the music started, Eddie Cantor offered a eulogy in which he praised Miller's admirable character and dedication to his music and to his country. He said, Glenn Miller was a very wonderful man who led a very wonderful band. As a civilian, he led an orchestra that for three and a half years was the number one band in America. He could have stayed and made himself a lot more money, and then if he wanted to, he could have retired, an independently wealthy man. He chose not to. He was an extremely patriotic man, and he felt an intense obligation to serve his country that had gone into war. He disbanded his great orchestra and formed an even greater one. Still, he could have remained here in America. Again, he chose not to. Instead, he chose to take himself and his orchestra overseas, to where he felt he could do the most good for our fighting men. What a tremendous morale-building job he and his men did over there. Now this great band is back here with us this evening, but without its most important member, Major Glenn Miller himself. For as we all know too well, he made the supreme sacrifice for his country. He will never be forgotten, for always we will have the sound of the great music that he created. Once the band had finished playing, General Eisenhower approached the stage to thank the boys for the incredible work they had done overseas, and to inform them that they were being discharged. They didn't know it when they arrived there that evening, but that set at the press club's dinner would be the last public performance the original group would play. Four days later, the band gave its last-ever radio broadcast at Bowling Airfield in D.C. From your United States Air Force band, This is The Connection Series, a podcast that examines the intersections between the military, music, and storytelling. I'm your host, Master Sergeant Brooke Emery, and today, in honor of the 75th anniversary of the disappearance of Major Glenn Miller, we examine his legacy with the United States Air Force Band and discuss why his music remains so popular to this day. with me is Chief Master Sergeant Kevin Burns. He's the chief of the Airmen of Note and split lead trumpeter for the past 17 years. Thanks for being with us today, Chief.
1: Thanks, Brooke. Glad to be here.
0: So after Miller's disappearance over the English Channel, the band stayed in Europe for another six months, and then they came back to the States and were eventually discharged. And from that point forward, how did the Airmen of Note come to be what they are today?
1: Well, of course, the Air Force Band had already been in place here at Bowling Air Force Base, and the commander of Bowling was Brigadier General Sidney D. Grubbs. And he was very proud of the band, but he thought that something was missing. He wanted uh, there to exist a dance band in the style of Glenn Miller. And so he asked the commander of the Air Force Band at the time, Colonel Howard, what it would take in terms of budget and personnel to put together a dance band. And so he even went so far as to ask uh, Glenn Miller's wife uh, if she would support the plan, and she did. And so the idea came together, the personnel, the budget. He was the the person that made that happen. And by 1950, the band had been formed and was off and running. And for many years, it was just a dance band, as as he wanted, uh, because it was a very still, a very popular style of music for for dances in the in the the clubs and so forth before it became a kind of a concert-oriented ensemble like it is today.
0: So, of course, the Airman of Note, like you said, it's evolved in the past 60 to 70 years. How do you still recognize or realize the Miller legacy today?
1: Well, next year we're celebrating our 70th birthday, the Airman of Note. And so uh, I think there probably has not been a year that the Airman of Note has not performed Glenn Miller music. Uh, I know that since I've been in my entire 17 years, uh, virtually every public concert, there's been at least one or two Glenn Miller pieces that we perform for the public. It's still loved around the world today. It's still and will always be very uh, important to military history. Uh, It's iconic. And what I've always uh, found interesting when I first heard the idea that Glenn Miller's music uh, over in the European theater, still to this day to a generation, is considered the very sound of freedom. And I always thought that you, but If you realize that when the Allied troops in World War II were moving through and helping to restore a war tour in Europe, this is the music they brought with them. Uh, So you can imagine being a young person and hearing this music that the Allied troops were playing and just from that point on thinking, wow, that's the sound of freedom to me. It's very cool.
0: How do you think his music still resonates with audiences in the States? And what kind of reaction do you get at concerts when you play Glenn Miller's music?
1: Uh, well, it's fascinating that, it is, that it's so, uh, it does elicit a very strong reaction. Uh, there are certain tunes that are, are very much iconic uh, to people's minds because it's it's just still heard a lot today. Um, it might be in commercials, it might be, uh, in back background tracks to movies or whatever, just that classic big band sound, uh, of Glenn Miller, particularly because he was the top big band dance artist of his day. I mean, I joke with our audiences that he was like the Taylor Swift of 1942 because he really was the very top pop, pop artist of his day. And so his sound is still used... Uh, and I found it surprising that I can start up a tune, like, uh, in the mood and even teenagers in 2019 will say, oh, I love that piece. I know that piece. I'm like, how do you even know this tune? Uh, but but that's the impact of uh, Glenn Miller and his legacy that is so strong. So we, we continue to play it with every concert. Um, not just because it's great music and it's fun, because it really does have a very important a piece of military history behind it.
0: It's true. I played in the mood for my 10-year-old son the other day, and he immediately recognized it and could even name the tune, which I thought was pretty amazing. So much music has come and gone, and yet Miller's, Miller's music is still so much in the forefront of people's minds. You mentioned uh, the Miller sound, and can you tell me a little bit about what makes his music sound the way it sounds?
1: Uh, a lot of it, of course, has to do with the way he orchestrated the, the front woodwind section. There was a classic uh, clarinet lead sound, and when, in a traditional big band, uh, the barry, our barry sax player will pick up maybe an alto sax, and it just has this... this the sound that's unmistakable from like the first note, and also I think part of his his sound is that his his arrangers like uh, Jerry Gray were were very well known. He he kind of sequestered them as you know his guys to to write all these great charts, and they had their their style of writing uh, that was very unique that helped create his sound. He was also very uh, from what I understand, very deliberate about pr- reproducing on stage the sound that he would record that people were well known for. Um, he didn't uh, stretch out a whole lot from evolution of his recordings because he knew that's what most people heard him through. So when he would hit the stage, he wanted the sound just like the records. He wanted his sound to be very consistent, whether there was on the radio through records or in live performance.
0: I imagine that must have been fairly confining for the musicians on stage, but it it certainly built a name for the group. I mean, people loved it.
1: Right. Absolutely. Uh, And uh, we have had some experience going through old records of Miller when he got into the Army Air Corps, for example, and listening to how some of those classic uh, recordings evolved a little bit where the Musicians may have wanted to like push the tempo a little bit or do a little bit this or that with it so we we've actually altered some of our articulations based on the Army Air Corps uh, recordings more than like the civilian recordings before he got in and there there have there were some differences that came out of that
0: that's interesting. do you have a favorite Glenn Miller tune
1: um you know i I, I do there was a tune that we performed uh a lot. It, and, I mean, I, I think I probably loved it because I, it's one of the Miller tunes that I got to, to kind of interact with our vocalist Paige a lot on. And I would go out and speak. It had, it had, it had so much, like, show business side of it, uh, but it also was a really fun, unique piece called The Rumba Jumps. And, the
0: and when you hear I-I Heidi, I-I You'll know the reason why The Rumba Jumps
1: And uh, so Paige has this vocal that's a lot of fun and it's a great kind of uh, South American feel to it and then I jump on a mic and we have this little back and forth thing and then I play solo and it just, it has so much to it.
0: Well hey there Kevin, what you say?
1: What you doing back here in the US of A? Well, San Domingo just wouldn't let me be. So I ran out on my visa before it ran out on me. Before I ran, I was no jump. I shanghaied the drummer, the guy that made the rumba jump. And it was so well received that we just, we kept it in our book until uh, we just needed to give it a rest. But we probably played it straight for 15 years.
0: Such a great tune. <laughs> it really is.
1: Well, of course, that was a very critical time in American history. It was um, World War II. You know, it just there was there was no one that it didn't impact heavily. There were so many Americans that uh, that were involved, either through the draft and the people that were they were serving, or the people back home where the nation kind of just stopped what it's doing, and everybody, in some manner, was kind of involved in supporting the war effort cause it was, it was the biggest thing that probably had ever happened on planet earth. You know, it just like there needed to be, uh, this collective, um, mindset for, for what was going on. And I, th- I think that's what happened with Miller. He like, he knew, he was like, this is, this is the most important thing. What, what, what can I do, but to help bring, you know, the joy that I've been doing as a civilian and, and take it to the people that are serving uh, this nation, he was making a lot of money. He kind of let that go for a walk. He was making like twenty thousand dollars a month back in nineteen forty-two, which is an insane amount of money for a musician back then. If you if you compare what it is now, but it was uh, somebody said that he took a thousand percent pay cut to get into the military,
0: and he lobbied to get into the military. He actually tried to join the navy, and they said no. And I then know. Thankfully. finally the army air corps said yes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Thank, thankfully for us. Uh, yeah, I, that's a very unique story. But we, we were lucky that uh, he's attached to the Army Air Corps and the, and the Air Force now.
0: Well, and in a broader sense, I mean, the fact that Miller came in and formed a band um, and then those who performed in the band served in the Army Air Corps as musicians set a precedent for what we have today, really, um, with the way that we deploy our musicians all over the globe. To do the same thing.
1: Right. Uh, Miller's whole idea was, you know, bringing a slice of home to the troops. Uh, and we're, we're doing that now. One of our musicians in the Airman of Note, as well as musicians from around the squadron, uh, our guitarist, Master Sergeant Jeff Reeser, he's, uh, deployed right now, uh, in the Middle East forming embassy events, connecting culturally, uh, with with our partners and and civilians over there. Watching now through venues like social media, what they're doing is, is, is remarkable. But that's exactly the idea that Miller was all about when he was uh, performing during World War II. So it, it really is a, a, a cool connection in that manner.
0: Chief Master Sergeant Kevin Burns, thank you so much. Thank you. We've got a rum but the king once commanded. then they cast the tin and started into play. The way they learned to play back in the USA Now they're on the air and San Domingo's laughing it up And I do declaim- Dr. James D'Angelo is a man who knows how to get things done. A retired oncologist, he is the founder and chairman of the International Midway Memorial Foundation, a group that lobbied for years on behalf of those who served in the Battle of Midway.
2: Uh, basically, myself and another admiral worked seven years to get Congress to pass a bill to make the Midway Islands a national memorial.
0: When Dr. DeAngelo decides he's going to pursue something, he is relentless. And for his latest project, He has slowly assembled a team of people he hopes can finally solve the mystery of Glenn Miller's final resting place.
2: With this uh, particular plane, there had been previous episodes, especially in cold weather, where the carburetor would freeze up.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. And that's the most likely possibility.
0: Mm -hmm. Most recently, he organized a parade to raise awareness for the cause. To state the obvious, he is a huge fan of Glenn Miller, and I was curious about why his appreciation for Miller compelled him to take on such a huge task. I visited him at his home to discuss his ongoing endeavor and to hear in his words what makes Glenn Miller such a compelling hero. What got you interested in in Glenn Miller's legacy? Well, I
2: went to see the Glenn Miller story, Mm -hmm. and I had heard of him, but I certainly didn't know much about his life. And the movie was so well done that when I left the theater, and I remember walking in the street, I actually felt like I knew Glenn Miller. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jimmy Stewart did such a great job. And, uh, and then equally important is, of course, I fell in love with his music. But what impressed me the most about him was his great desire to find the sound that would be unique to his band. And, and he did that combining a a tenor saxophone with a clarinet and then uh, all four other saxophones on a single octave. Mm -hmm. To me, the two greatest parts of that movie, one I love more than the other, and that's the introduction in the movie to Moonlight Serenade, where... They play one note, a note, and it gradually builds up into a crescendo, and they go from practicing Moonlight Serenade. Have you ever seen the Limpalista? Oh, man. And then it goes out to where the band is. And no matter how many times I see it, I never get tired. But I wish, since I got rather involved, I must have watched it about 10 times. And then at the end, at the end is very touching, I don't know if this is true, but uh, Mrs. Mill always wanted Glenn to uh, write a song about little brown job. And for whatever reason, he didn't want to do it. But he did do it, and that was supposed to be her Christmas present on the Christmas show with, without him. And in any event, he uh, uh, it ends where she's teary-eyed and... The two persons she's with, one was in the movie, at least his piano player, and they told her that even though he's gone, the real fact of how what he did and what he had to offer will be in the fact that his music will continue to go on. And to me, Blue Light like Serenade is 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 my favorite song, although I you know I love his other of music as as well. Oh, about three or four years ago, I came across PBS's a series, and and the one that they had in this particular uh, documentary was uh, uh, The Mystery of Gwen Miller. They, like they do with many of these programs, they never really come up with an answer. Uh, You know, they may come close, it may make you believe certain things, but most of the time the definitive proof is not there. But uh, to hear his music again, and then the idea came, why not? Why don't I see what we can do? Because I had some contacts uh, in, uh, in Sarasota. Um, why don't we try? What I'm trying to do is to mobilize as much public opinion. Uh, and I, in my idea of doing that, I feel, is not just to promote the idea that we're going out to look for his aircraft. I think what's more important is to get the public to really get to find out who Glenn Miller was and, and what a person he was. Just this week, I contacted Senator Scott's office in of Florida to see if um, he would be willing to um, um, approach the president and... I felt strongly to see if we could get the Medal of Freedom for Glenn Miller. Mm-hmm. Because when you really get to know his story, look, he leaves his wife, and, 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 and look how difficult for both of them to go over there. But he felt so strongly, one that to wanted to um, uh, improve the morale. Tommy mm-hmm. Dorsey didn't do it. Jimmy Dorsey didn't do it, Artie Shaw didn't do it, all these others. Now, were they selfish? No, but he did it. The first day that Glenn Miller arrived from uh, the U.S. in England, uh, he went to his hotel, and, uh, and then later on he goes down to the railroad station in London, And the band comes out and they were immediately greeted with one V-1 that explodes right in front of the railroad station. And fortunately, it was far away enough. They didn't get killed. But then they went to the hotel and the V-1s kept coming. So Glendon feels like, I can't put the men through this. Uh, We're going to go to Bedford, which was 40 miles north of London. The day after they left that hotel, it got hit, and the hotel was mostly wiped out.
0: In that small cafe, the park across the way.
2: Why, why go
0: discover Miller's can- Plane? That was a question I was going to ask you. Right, yeah.
2: okay. One, of course, I feel it's the right thing to do to bring closure, not only... T- whoever's remaining in his family, but to the American people that remember him. And then second, as time goes on, memories begin to fade. Bringing up something from the past that's physical makes a connection between the present and the past. And maybe he didn't say this, but I would add this. I would say that that's extremely important because it provides strength and courage to the people that live today. I think America needs that. I need to, They need to remember the great people and what they did in the past, and, and that's not done as much anymore. But they don't realize the value of it, okay? They don't realize that as you go through life, you gain strength from other people, and then you gain strength if you can emulate them within yourself. So there's more to it than just the uh, the scientific aspect of of the, uh, finding the finding uh, the remains of the plane, and that's the long way around of saying why we should uh, find his aircraft. My ultimate goal is to, um, which is a real long shot, but it's to try to revive his music, and uh, it's a a challenging task, but. Nobody dances together anymore. There is no more Fox Tribe. Everything is individualistic, and that's fine. But there's never, to me, you can't get too romantic dancing by yourself. Absolutely. And and I and and I love what Miller's music and other bands brought to romance. I think without romance, this this world would be uh, much tougher than uh, you know than it is. So uh, so so that's 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 where. We, where
0: we're at. I'll be looking at the moon, but I'll be seeing you. So if you do find it, yes. if, if you do find part of the plane, like, what would be your ideal resting place for the aircraft?
2: That's a good question, and we've actually have uh, given that some consideration. And um, I have thought of uh, the Smithsonian. Mm-hmm. I've thought of the World War, too, because of its connection and that um, a place like the Glenn Miller Museum, and and that's what I mean why I think it's so important for history. But I, I think, this is just my belief, I think America I- needs a hero. And uh, maybe we need more than one. But I think the more that the real story about Glenn Miller can get out, regardless of whether we are able to go after his aircraft or not, it can only benefit the American people. Yes, Glenn Miller was going to Paris to do the Christmas show. That's all true. But they were in the process of leaving England over four to six weeks. If they could get the... um, the uh, radio transmissions to be as good and as fine as they were Mm produced by the BBC in London. So he wasn't just going there to do a concert or, you know, for short term. He was getting ready because the move was to... uh, He wanted to be near the front lines, again. I mean, you know, those kind of people um, that are that genuine, you know, you just got to admire, at least I do anyway, you know. I can only say that for a person like Dylan Miller and the people at Midway, to me, it's easy. I mean, how can you not help? How could you not help feel this way? Certainly. And even though, in a way, you didn't personally know them, you did know them. Because they exemplified the values that you would want, hopefully, every ideally person to have.
0: Absolutely.
2: And... uh, that's the kind of man that, uh, that uh, Miller was. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the fact that he wrote Moonlight Serenade just tells you right then and there that he had a heart.
0: The Connection Series is produced by myself, along with Senior Master Sergeant Matthew Irish. Additional audio help was provided by Senior Master Sergeant Dennis Hoffman and Master Sergeant Mike Hampf. The executive producer of the Connection series is Colonel Don Schofield.